0: The gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1560. Glory to you, Lord. St. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at the lack of their faith. Jesus sends out the twelve. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, and no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust of your feet, as a testimony against them. And they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil, and they healed them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I guess I'd like to open this with something I read of from another pastor, and, and he stated this, the most difficult lie... The most difficult lie that I have to contend with in this life is that this life is a story about me. The most difficult lie that I have to contend with in this life is that this life is a story about me, I saw some faces going. I take it to mean that I think too highly about me, myself, and I. I go places w- based on what I want. I have experiences based on what I like. And if I don't like that experience, I am not happy. Now, let's just say, um, if I go to church, I might not like some of the things about the church. I... Might not like the pastor. I might not like the building. I might not like the music. Not in this church. I may not like that they have communion every week. I, I, I. It's almost as if I am coming here to do something for God. I am coming to worship him. I am coming to connect with him. I, baloney. It's not about me. One part was about me and one part was about you and John three sixteen was God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That whosoever should believe, whosoever should not perish, right? But have everlasting life. That part's about you. The rest of it, It's about him, what he did for you, what he does for you. This gospel message is for you. This meal is for you. That baptism is for you. You receive. You are here today to receive from him, from his word, from his sacrament, from his Holy Spirit, The most difficult lie I have contended with in this life is that this life is a story about me, and it is not. And it's not about you either. So today, when we have Jesus coming into his hometown of Nazareth, and the people see this guy come in, and a prophet without honor Generally, prophets were honored, and they had people following. They did incredible things. They were the spokesmen for God. But Jesus was performing all kinds of miracles. Certainly his hometown had heard about it. He was there for 30 years in Nazareth as a carpenter, and then he left his trade. You just didn't do that back then. You know, the, 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 the idea of I need to go find myself just wasn't there. And we see evidence that his family didn't understand that either because a little earlier in Mark, they write about Jesus, and they, they're, they, they're coming to get him and say, he's lost it. He left his business, you know, his trade. He's like got people mad at him. They want to, we got to go and get him. And the, the, the house was crowded and, and they knocked. And, they, and somebody says, hey, your brothers and your mother and your sisters are there. And he says, who, are my, my, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who are my sisters? Those who believe. Even his family thought he was making a the mistake. They heard of his miracles, as I said. They were astonished by his teaching. Did you get that? Astonished by his teaching. they're like, isn't this the guy that makes footstools and tables? I mean, I got one in my living room. Isn't this the guy that, you know, Mary and Joseph, yeah, we know how that went, right? I mean, there just, there is no honor in there. Isn't this the guy? They were amazed. Turns it around, at the end, Jesus was amazed, which was used as the same Greek word, this amazement of their unbelief. They're amazed at how wise he is, at how well he speaks. He's amazed at how little they believe, how faithless they are. And there's some good reason for it. They, 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 they saw this guy that they had grown up, little Jesus, got to be, you know, young man Jesus, and then he split. And they're wondering, this is a trap. They were worried that there was something up. There was, there was this guard that they had. It's just, this is too good to be true. I, I, you know, and so they pushed him away. It says also that Jesus could not do any miracles. Nobody believes that he couldn't do any miracles, right? You don't believe that, right? I mean, he could have done anything. He did not, because in, or if he had done those, it would have been prove it to these people. He, that's not how he worked. He worked with the faith of those people that came to him with a need, and their faith was strong, and then the miracle occurred. Their hands were open. Case in point, last week, the lady who had had the uterine hemorrhaging for 12 years, no business did she have being in a crowd of people like that. She was unclean. No business did she have touching anyone let alone a rabbi, but her faith led her to just touch that garment and she was healed. Jesus, that wasn't a surprise to him that she did it. He foresaw it. He foresaw it. He knew that was coming. And just like in Nazareth, He could have done all kinds of stuff. But that was also like what Herod, later on, Jesus was was rejected in his hometown. Then you have Herod wants to see him do something. All right, do a trick, you know, make something appear, disappear. And he didn't do it. He didn't even talk to him. Was it because Jesus' powers were limited? He didn't have it on that day? No, it was not uh, for his purpose. That's not how he works. That's not how he brings in miracles to the faithful, he, and to those without faith. He just doesn't do it that way. We see this kind of faith sometimes, well, not sometimes. We see this today. We see that God has blessed and God has provided such goodness, and yet many, many people remain ungrateful. Many people remain unbelieving. They believe that the story of this life, this life is a story about them. But the Christian does not. The Christian needs and has eyes to recognize and ears to hear the gospel, God's word. The Christian has a heart to believe in its promises by his Grace. Now Jesus was rejected, but it didn't end his ministry. No, he went and continued to teach from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. He said, "Take nothing. The bare bones." His grace was sufficient. God's with them was sufficient. And then we hear that also from somebody that did go out and spread the word and message against, our message for repentance. And that is Paul. And Paul comes with this story in 2 Corinthians, and he is. Telling it in the third person, I know a man. Did you catch that? I know a man. He says that uh, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. He said that, uh, that he didn't know on his vision whether it was a bodily He was taken up bodily to the third heaven, or if it was a soul kind of thing. He says, I don't know. God does. Now, he says, even if I go on boasting on this, I would not be a fool. In other words, what I tell you is the truth. Now, why is he saying this to these people at the time the Corinthians were being led astray by super apostles? These were really slick guys. And they were polished. And they gave just such a beautifully well timed sermon, and everything blended together perfectly that there was seamless. It was like, oh my gosh, what a beautiful production. Their music was just perfect. Everyone got into a flow. It was just nice. In fact, we have people like that today, some people on TV. Isn't this nice? You know, it's it's the story of life is my story. And let me just parade to you right here. This is what Jesus has done in my life, right? That's attractive to people sometimes, right? They want to see, whoa, if he got that, then I can get that. But that's not the message that Paul was delivering, and that's not the message of Christ. The message is, number one, that we start each and every week, is that you need Jesus. I need Jesus. Why? Because it isn't about us. Because we've all fallen short. And because without Jesus, there is no promise. This is it. Paul goes on to say that, I asked God to take away a thorn. Have you heard that? Three times he asked God to take away the thorn. And some of you have heard what that thorn was. And, and, and so Paul transitions from I know a man, and then he kind of around uh, verse 7 says, Ta-da, that was me. But then he says, but I'm not going to boast on that so that you don't think more of me and what I say and what I did than you should. I need to point back to Christ. And so let me tell you this. I have been afflicted with a thorn. Now, the people listening to him at that time and the people that were reading in it would know what the thorn is. We have like three different theories on it. One is malaria. It was constant, and, you know, it was uh, devastating to him. One is that his eyes had some problems, you know. Um, he did have, you know, uh, when he had that encounter with, uh, who are you, Lord? He like, duh, I know who you are, and he couldn't see. And then, like, scales fell off his eyes. Some people said that maybe, um, or conjectured that maybe that's what it And then some people said he might have had a speech impediment. And I have taken liberty on this one in the past and I pray that the God can forgive me for that. I'm sure he does. But in my men's group years ago, we said, well, what if he had a voice like Elmer Fudd? Whoa, womans. Whoa. Or, or a Mickey Mouse kind of thing. Anyway, whatever it was, he was not impressive as an orator. Not like the super, ha. The super apostles. So he boasted in his weakness and he said I am made strong in Christ in through my weaknesses three times he'd asked God to take that away three times God said no my grace is sufficient and yet the people at the time the Corinthians the fickle people were going yeah I just like the way that the super apostles preach. They I connect with them. Paul, or his weeping eyes, or his malaria, you know, his colors off. I mean, he's whatever. That's what they were looking at. The world states and believes that strength comes from our status, our wealth, our health, our beauty, our youth, our power. And Paul is saying, no, that's that's about you and those are all gifts from God anyways paul points that when i am weak my strength is his strength is apparent when i am empty his strength is sufficient for me now what does that look like today i'm going to use a personal thing um, not to parade it out and, or anything like that. But you guys know that we had Graham, you know, years ago. And Graham um, was a miracle. And Graham is responsible for this family coming to the church and um, being coming baptized believers, my wife and my three sons. And while we were there and we were not rejoicing, I was not like Paul saying, gee, thanks, you know. I know that you mean this for good, but guess what? He did. One of the things that we learned from that experience with Graham was a G tube. Have you ever seen one of those or had one of those or anyone know anyone with it? It's a tube that is, well, there's a hole made in your abdomen and it goes all the way into the stomach. And then for Graham, they had this tube and it had a little bubble on there that kept him from being able to pull it out and it had a little button on it and you could plug in. Um, a tube and a fitting so that you could run meds and or um, food, but it was, you know, it was liquid, like insure, you know, or something like that. And th- those things, you know, th- they're dirty. And, and sometimes they come unplugged and they leak. And, 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 you know, this is not enjoyable. But, you know, at the time we, were, we, we learned that God, you know, his grace was sufficient. And we, we learned how to do it. And we haven't done it for over nine years until last week. Tracy's mama now has a G-tube. Nobody in that family knew how to do it except for Tracy and for me. And so, while we were probably not bearing the load real great, you know, we're like, why me? (laughs) You know, now, from hindsight, now, seeing backwards, I can see. Tracy can see. Her family can see. Wow. You guys were equipped for a moment such as now. And I'm telling you that right now, and through your past, everything that you've done from way back when to now has prepared you for what may come today or tomorrow. None of it is wasted, not any of it. And so what Paul is reminding us and what Jesus is reminding us, Jesus himself had no honor in there, (laughs) you know, in his own hometown. It's not about your honor. It's not about what you bring to God. It's what he has brought to you. And even in the lousy moments like G-tubes or lousy moments like saying goodbye to a loved one. We remember our baptism. We remember that we walk wet. We remember that it is all going to be okay, even if it doesn't feel like it. Even if people say, sorry, you just don't look right. Sorry, your music isn't right. Sorry, you're not right. Sorry, you know, you don't make the grade. The, the liar comes and says you're not enough, and Jesus says you're perfect as you are. We are made strong by his grace. Our weaknesses that we call weaknesses and what the world says weaknesses are not. They're gifts. And may we have eyes to see that. That everything that has ever happened to us can be used for good. For those who love him. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what he did for you and for me. In the name of Jesus, amen.